Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, February 26th, 2024. Kyle Anzalone joins us now. Kyle, always a pleasure. Thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, I want to talk uh, for, of course, I want to talk for a little bit about this uh, unfortunate situation at the Israeli embassy uh, in Washington, D.C., where this uh, American airman, uh, doused himself with flammable liquid and burnt himself to death uh, in protest to the American financing of and support of genocide uh, in Gaza. I mean, there's two stories here as I see it, and I'll let you take the ball and run with it. Uh, one is obviously something wrong with this guy that he would kill himself. Um, the other is Uh, American mainstream media doesn't even carry this as a protest to what is happening in Gaza, but just as a crazy person that wanted to kill him. So look at this, New York Times, active duty airman sets himself on fire. A man sets himself on fire outside the Israeli embassy. U.S. airman sets himself on fire. Crystal put up Haaretz, the Israeli newspaper. U.S. soldier fatally set himself on fire outside Israeli embassy in protest of American support of Gaza war. I don't know, am I making a big deal out of nothing here? Or should these uh, media outlets be more uh, understanding and more direct in their reporting on something as tragic as this? Absolutely, Judge. And certainly if this was somebody within the mainstream media's protected class, say uh, somebody from the LGBTQ community, and they had, you know, killed themselves at some U.S. government building in, say, Texas or Oklahoma, certainly they would be, you know, promoting that as saying, well, they killed themselves because of the laws in these states. And here they're downplaying it, of course, because they want to downplay everything that Israel is doing in Gaza. So this is all a part of the cover-up. And of course, our news editor at at antiwar.com, Dave DeCamp, also, uh, you know, really does a good job highlighting the reason this this, uh, young airman decided to take his own life in in this really tragic way. I watched a portion of the video. I could could not make it through it. It is very hard to watch. Um, And you know, I, he is sending a very powerful message. My understanding from reading some initial reports from family and friends is that, you know, he was somebody of generally sound mind. This wasn't some kind of uh, psychotic break or anything like that. Uh, you know, certainly anybody who's willing to take their own life is somebody who, 
uh, you know, is having some forms of struggle and, and certainly a, not something that anybody should ever do. But, uh, you know, this wasn't something that happened as a form of psychosis, but rather, you know, an intentional act based on what they felt they were a part of and trying to protest against it. Chris, can you put up the uh, tweet that he sent out? Uh, that he, I think it's a tweet or an X or whatever they call it now. Or, yeah, here it is. That's his name, Aaron Bushnell. And he says, many of us like to ask ourselves, what would I do if I was alive during slavery or the Jim Crow South or apartheid? What would I do if my country was committing genocide? The answer is you're doing it right now. This is apparently the last uh, public communication that he made and apparently taped himself uh, being immolated. And then I understand, and I can't show a picture of this, it's too gruesome to show. Uh, the security guards came out uh, and pointed automatic weapons at him. Now, I don't know if they are American security guards or Israeli uh, security guards. You can hear them yelling, get a fire extinguisher, but they did point, uh, they waited and they pointed uh, automatic weapons at him. I don't know if it's the the mentality of the Netanyahu government, the coldness of uh, American military guarding him, the blindness of the American uh, government uh, funding genocide. I don't know what it is, but uh, the American response is horrific. Right. And whoever I, I haven't nailed down yet exactly where that security guard who our police officer who pointed the weapon at him was from, if it was an Israeli or an American. But either way, Judge, uh, a lot of American police and Israeli forces, whether that's the IDF or Israeli police, all are trained in Israel. So this is kind of the U.S. adjunct to anything. You know, our first responders, our police get there and start pointing guns at people rather than trying to help the people involved. Uh, it's kind of a sad state of things. And and, you know, representative of police action in America. I'll tell you what else is covered so well by antiwar.com and not that well in the mainstream media, and that is the Israeli interference with the efforts to deliver aid, food, water, medicine, blankets uh, to the displaced uh, Palestinians displaced by the Israeli bombs uh, in southern uh, Lebanon. Uh, you just don't see it uh, carried. And of course, there's no outrage in America. There's no outrage about the genocide itself. And then there's no outrage about the blocking of food and water. And then there's no uh, outrage about the starvation and the disease. I don't get it. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something I've tried to cover a lot, either at the Libertarian Institute or antiwar.com, are all the steps the Israeli government is taking to block aid from getting into Gaza. And it's really a multi-pronged effort at this point. One is bureaucratic. They're not processing visas for aid workers that would service uh, international organizations in the West Bank and in Gaza. And they're also expelling workers whose visas are expiring. And so this means that there's less aid work workers in these areas. And they say it's hampered the uh, delivery efforts for aid in Gaza for dozens of agencies. So this is fairly significant. The Israeli finance minister, Smoltrich, is blocking the offloading of U.S.-funded flour and other food products from a, a ship in an Israeli port that would then go to Gaza. He says it's because of the uh, the ties between Hamas and UNRWA, which just uh, this past week, the Wall Street Journal reported 
that the U.S. intelligence community assessed that that claim was not true the way Israel is presenting it, that they only had low confidence in the Israeli claims. And Israeli protesters are blocking aid trucks that are trying to uh, transit the really onerous Israeli inspections regime for aid entering Gaza that removes life-saving medications and other aid and slows aid delivery so much to the Strip. And even if aid does get into the Strip, it has multiple problems. Now, one, there was a police force in Gaza that was escorting the aid around the Strip to make sure it released uh, reached different destinations like the northern half of the Strip. Uh, but now the police force is not doing that because the Israeli forces were targeting them. And uh, this means that a lot of aid shots and convoys are just getting mobbed by Palestinians when they enter Rafah and the people in northern Palestine aren't getting any aid. But Israel has also just targeted either, you know, ground troops firing machine guns into trots or actually hitting it with tank shells or larger artillery munitions. And so Israel is really stifling the aid going into Gaza at a time where there are children, one of its children in northern Gaza are suffering from acute malnutrition. And we just had a baby, a two, uh, 45 days old, two month old baby uh, die at a hospital in central Gaza. Mm. What do you think will put a stop to this uh, slaughter uh, and genocide? It doesn't appear as though it's going to be the U.S. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really hard to say. I, I don't know. I wish... You know, Biden will pull the plug on this in America. Uh, maybe eventually the situ situation there will become so gruesome and so horrific that nobody could deny a genocide is going on. Uh, by that time, it'll largely be too late for the Palestinians. They won't be able to return home in Gaza because everything will have been destroyed. And if they're, you know, left to be displaced people in the Sinai, they, you know, they'll never be able to return to their homes again. And, and so, Largely, I think Israel has kind of already won in that they're going to be able to displace the people of Gaza. The U.S. has allowed them to do it. And, you know, even pulling the plug at this point, look at the humanitarian crisis going on in Gaza. There's absolutely nothing, no infrastructure for people to return to. And, and if Israel doesn't allow the rebuilding of the Gaza Strip, and I can't imagine that they will, then the Palestinian people won't be able to live there again. This is absolutely horrific. The U.S. has enabled a genocide, and uh, it's largely already completed. Have, has the IDF defeated Hamas in Gaza? I think the answer to that clearly is no. They barely dented it. 
Yeah, that's absolutely true, Judge. And we talked about this when I was on your show last week as well, that the IDF now assesses that, yeah, they've killed off some low levels of Hamas, but the group will continue to exist as a terrorist group or a guerrilla organization in the years to come because now they have fertile ground for recruitment because they just slaughtered tens of thousands of Palestinians and starved you know, innocent, completely innocent Palestinian babies to death. Palestinian babies who were not even alive on October 7th are now starving to death in Gaza because of this war. And so, you know, the, the armed resistance to Israel will, will continue from the Palestinians because of the horrors they inflicted on those people. When uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, is asked to justify his behavior, he gives the same answer over and over and over again. He compares the population of Israel to the population of the United States, the number of people killed in 9-11 to the number of people killed on October 7th, says it's the moral equivalent of 20 million Americans killed. And look at what George Bush did, as if that's the moral standard for behavior, what George W. Bush did. Forgive me for getting uh, aggravated. I'll, I'll let you watch this and you tell us what you think. Cut number six. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, what would America do? What would America do, Margaret, if you face the equivalent of 2911s, 50,000 Americans slaughtered in one day, 10,000 Americans, including mothers and children, held Mm -hmm. hostage? Would you not be doing what Israel is doing? You'd be doing a hell of a lot more. And all Americans that I talk to, nearly all say that. So Israel has gone to extraordinary lengths, calling up people, civilians, Palestinians in Gaza, telling them, leave your home. Uh, sending pamphlets. Uh, we have done that effort. Hamas tries to keep them at yes. gunpoint. We'll clear them out of harm's way. We'll complete the job and achieve total victory, which is necessary to give a secure yes. future for Israel, a better future for Gaza, a better future for the Middle East, and a setback for the Iran terror axis. That's in all our interest. It's in America's interest, too. What a, what a uh, patent liar to say we will protect the uh, civilian population. They have slaughtered the civilian population. I'm getting aggravated here. I'll let you uh, take it, uh, Kyle. Yeah, well, I I hope he's wrong in that the Americans would not make the same mistake that we did after 9-11. And for a lot of Americans, myself included, seeing what the U.S. did to the people of the Middle East after 9-11 has made me an anti-interventionist. You know, I looked at what we did, not only to the countries of the Middle East and millions of people dead, tens of millions of people displaced, you know, lifelong injuries for a generation, psychological or physical, for you know, a a population of people from Palestine really all the way to Afghanistan is what the U.S. government has inflicted on the Middle East, you know, these past two decades. And and that's absolutely horrific. But I've also seen what it's done to our own country and how, you know, we've lost so many freedoms. We've lost thousands of, you know, over 10,000 of our own citizens fighting these wars over the years and uh, trillions of dollars, a, a debt that will probably never be repaid. Uh, you know, is what we wrapped up here. And the the world is not better off for it. We haven't created a better world, not even for the American people. You know, it hasn't even benefited us, just a select group of people, mostly who live around Washington, D.C. And of course, here, Netanyahu saying most Americans I talk to, I guess when he only talks to Biden, Blinken, and Pompeo, maybe that's true. But I really don't think that the Americans are that bloodthirsty anymore. And we've really turned against this war. And even though our leadership is is all for this, the American people are kind of disgusted with this. And, uh, you know, I think we see this 
you know, in the most extreme and the young airman, uh, Bushnell taking his life in, in that way in front of the Israeli embassy. Uh, was Bibi with Pompeo when he was uh, dancing with the IDF? I'm being oh, I, I'm not sure. I just assumed they, that uh, Pompeo would have gotten. Uh, I'm sure they talked. I can't imagine Pompeo going to Israel and not paying a visit, at least for the photo op value of it back home, if there is such a thing for him, wherever he, he lives in the U.S. and whatever his future political plans are. I'm going to guess that there was some uh, communication there. Let's uh, switch gears. Did NATO green light Ukraine attacks inside Russia? Yeah, this is something that NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg said recently that Ukraine has been attacked by Russia, and so Ukraine could hit targets inside of Russia. And of course, you know, as an anti-interventionist judge, I really wouldn't necessarily weigh in on this, except that Ukraine is doing this with American weapons, with American and Western intelligence. And so this is a Western war against Russia. And if we start hitting targets inside of Russia, it's going to really crank the war in Ukraine up. Now, initially, the Biden administration was very reluctant to have this happen because they were afraid of a wider war breaking out with NATO. But apparently, the White House just isn't that concerned about it anymore. Uh, they're, they're not concerned about that Russia-NATO conflict. And so they're green lighting this. And this is a big deal as the U.S. is considering giving Ukraine attackums. These are the larger uh, rockets for the HIMAR launchers that can hit targets 200 miles away. And then the F-16 program, which was supposed to be delivered late last year, and now it's already been pushed back to late spring. So who knows when these F-16s actually get into Ukraine. But once those are able to fly in Ukraine, it could be a very big deal, especially as, as Russia has pointed out, F-16s could carry nuclear weapons. And so they're very concerned about those hitting the Ukrainian battlefield. The uh, New York Times today published a 10,000-word uh, story, you probably read it, arguing or, or contending uh, that after 200 interviews, it is concluded that uh, the CIA uh, is the driving force behind uh, a lot of Ukraine intelligence and even Ukraine military activity, military activity in Russia. So the American Central Intelligence Agency is training and, and guiding uh, the Ukrainians as to how to strike targets in Russia. An act of war by the American government against the Russians? Well, I certainly think so. And the American government would certainly consider it an act of war and say the uh, Russians were giving the Mexicans and the Canadians the weapons and the intelligence and the targeting and all the means and the trainings to attack American cities, uh, say they were attacking cities in Texas or something like that. The Americans would certainly be ready to go to war with Russia over that and would certainly consider that an act of war against them by Russia. And of course, you know, this isn't a surprise. We've known all along that the CIA was heavily involved in what was going on in Ukraine and has been for years. The U.S. has largely orchestrated what has happened in Ukraine since the fall of the Soviet Union, particularly the 2004 and the 2012 coup in those, uh, coups in those countries that importantly led to the Euromaidan revolution and uh, the mess that, that fell from that. Here's uh, President Zelensky over the weekend on MSNBC uh, answering the question of whether this year, 2024, uh, is a turning point. Cut number two, Chris. You said that you believe this year is a turning point year for Ukraine because of 
in part, U.S. elections. You pointed specifically to the U.S. elections. Are you talking about Donald Trump? Are you worried that Donald Trump could pull the plug? I hope he will not stop. If he will be the president, that is the decision of your people, of course. And I hope that the policy of the country will not change. I count on the American people. Well, I mean, it's a it's a turning point because um, uh, they're doing so poorly. Uh, the military folks that we put on, uh, you've probably seen and heard them argue that no amount of equipment can rehabilitate them. What they need are human beings, and they don't have the human beings, and they're being soundly crushed. I mean, at one point over the weekend, President Zelensky's office said uh, they suffered 31,000 casualties. Well, that's that's off by a magnitude of about 12 or 15 the, the casualties that we've seen reported all throughout Western uh, media um, show it at about 500,000 dead and injured, so severely injured that they can't uh, come back to the battlefield. Uh, I want to show you one more thing before you respond. Uh, this is Fiona Hill. Boy, if that name rings a bell. She was one of the principal witnesses, notwithstanding her British accent. Uh, against President Trump in the first impeachment, the one involving the allegations of bribery uh, with respect to uh, Ukraine. Uh, but take a listen to what she said over the weekend. Putin thinks that he's winning because we've blinked, because we don't seem to have the courage, either politically or uh, morally right now, uh, to stand up and support Ukraine in fending, um, and fending him off and fending Russia off. Putin thinks he's winning because he is winning uh, because the U Ukrainian military uh, is on life support. Take it from there. Yeah, I guess going to the first clip there was Zelensky's interview. Uh, I know some people listen to this show, but I would really recommend watching that interview because Zelensky's body language speaks more than words ever could. He's so uncomfortable. He knows his army is losing. And honestly, I really don't think it matters if Trump gets elected or not. Uh, I know Trump's rhetoric on this war has been slightly better than Biden's, but Putin even said that he doesn't think it matters uh, if Trump or Biden is left and he prefers Biden because Biden is more consistent. And, and so, uh, you know, I think that gives the impression to me that he thinks Trump would continue the war or at least Trump isn't willing to settle or would be politically pressured and continue continuing the war if he's elected president. And so the issue here isn't who's going to be president of the United States of America. It's if Ukraine could field an army or not at all. And it doesn't seem at this point that they really have the ability to do that. They suffered a major defeat on the battlefield recently. Uh, the troops are falling back. And, and in that retreat, they lost thousands, if not more, uh, captured by the Russian soldiers. And so you, uh, Zelensky saying only 31,000 dead Ukrainians is just absurd. And then Fiona Sills comments, you know, it's just this moral grandstanding that they do. We have to have the courage, the moral courage to stand up for the Ukrainians. What really would require moral courage now is to sit down, talk with the Russians, work out a deal. And, you know, the moral courage really was needed back before this war even started in 2021. But now it's too late to cut a good deal for the Ukrainians. But we could at least get them a decent deal uh, where they don't lose Odessa and their access to the Black Sea and things like that. If they would just sit down and talk to the Russians, but it doesn't see anybody in Washington has the courage to do that. I've been asking our guests today, and we'll continue to do so this week, if they think that Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, will cave 
uh, and will cut some kind of a deal with the White House and the and the majority of Republicans and Democrats uh, in the Congress that want to send 60 or 61 billion to Ukraine or whether he'll stand firm as he was when he was just Congressman uh, Johnson, as he promised when he was running for speaker and not even let this come to the floor of the House. What do you think? Currently, I think it looks good that, you know, the bill that's going through that passed the Senate that the White House wants doesn't include any border security aid, which is a big red line for the Republicans in Congress. And so I think, you know, that they really would need to pass something different in the Senate to get this to pass. However, uh, Glenn Greenwald always kind of points out that the worst state rarely, if ever, actually loses. And so they might get creative with the ways they have to send the aid to Ukraine. Maybe they don't uh, break the roadblock in Congress, but they get Congress to pass legislation that allows the U.S. to seize Russian assets and use that funding for the war in Ukraine or, uh, you know, just kind of do a complete end run around Congress and send Ukraine the aid anyways. Uh, there's a lot of different options and avenues that I think the White House could take, none of them being constitutional, but they don't really follow the Constitution very much these days anyways. And so I think the war state gets what they want, but I don't think Mike Johnson caves on this unless the, the Senate and the White House come up with something that has a lot of border security in it. And who knows, the, the Biden seems awfully desperate. When you listen to him, he seems almost as desperate as Zelensky to get this aid passed. And so maybe he's willing to make major, major concessions on immigration policy to the Republicans. I keep thinking of Tom Woods' famous one-liner, no matter who you vote for, you end up with John McCain when it comes when it comes to work. Carl Ancelone, a, friend, a, a pleasure, my dear friend. We'll see you again next week. All the best. Thank you so much, Judge. It's great to be on your show. Thank you. Uh, very, very smart, very well-read, uh, gifted young man. I'm happy he joins us. Uh, at 4.30, another smart, gifted young man, a little older, the one and only Scott Ritter. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom. <laughs>